Let's pray and we'll get started. All right. Father in heaven, we are awed by the power of your name and of your holy and your glory. We pray your blessings upon us this morning, Father, as we uh, as we come before you uh, as your family. We pray your your blessings as we uh, as we bring all of the issues that we bring, and knowing, Father, how how powerful you are and what you're capable of doing in our lives. Father, bless us as we as we move forward. Bless us as we study this morning. Father, help us to be a forgiving, loving, caring people, uh, and help us, Father, to. Uh, uh, to transfer that love to those around us. Bless us, Father, as we study. Help us to learn and to grow, and help us have the courage, Father, to apply these things to our lives. And, Father, as we worship, we pray that our worship will go up to you as a sweet aroma, that you'll be pleased with it, that you'll be pleased with us as your family. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be your children. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is good to see all of you this, this morning. It's good to have those watching online. I think they finally got our audio up and running where it's supposed to be. So uh, if you're watching us online, and I know there's a couple people I know of that are, uh, we're glad to have you. We're, we're studying First Peter, and the letters of, the letters Peter wrote are a survival manual when you have a stutter, when you're, when you're struggling. When you have a, a spiritual or physical struggle, Go to these texts. This is this is what what I call a survival manual. How do I survive in a in a in a chaotic situation in a chaotic world? What do I need to remember that God has, has planted before me? What do I need to remember and what do I need to go to and uh, and look at and say, okay, I can rely on this. I can trust this. This is something I need to focus on because when we're in a when we're in those crisis situations, when we're in those struggles, when we're sick or somebody in our life is sick, or we're struggling spiritually, or struggling with sin in our life. All of those things, we need to be able to refer back to something and to, to for God to say, hey, wake up, this is what you have. Don't forget what you have. Last week we looked at the salvation that God has given to us and how important it was. What was one thing that you saw last week that really made, that you looked at and said, man, I need to refocus here maybe. Was there anything that you saw about your salvation? Because it says something in verse 10 through verse 12 about the salvation that we have. You remember what it said? Anybody? Y'all leave me hanging, man. I cannot believe y'all did that to me. It says even angels long to understand what you have. Even angels long to understand what you have at your fingertips. What you take for granted, what you come to Sunday and worship in a very lackluster way maybe, he, they long to understand. They don't understand what you have. The prophets that wrote about it, they searched intently with the greatest care trying to find out the times and the circumstances which they, the grace of God was pointing them to. The Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53 about the, the crucifixion of Jesus. He has no idea what he's writing. You and I get to experience it firsthand. We get to take communion this morning and celebrate and memorialize what Jesus did on that cross. And he has no clue what he's writing. David writes in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says, They cast lots of my clothing. You know, my, my, my joints are all out of joint. You know, my, not a bone is broken. You know, those are texts about what you and I take for granted sometimes. This salvation is that important. Even angels long to look at them. So when you're in a crisis, when you're looking at, at, 
and, and you're looking at Satan right dead face to face, eyeball to eyeball, and he's a big ugly monster, and you don't know what to do with him, and you don't know how to go around him, remember what you have. Remember who, who gave it to you. Remember that you have a relationship with Christ, that are that available, a relationship with Christ, that you do not deserve. You have no business expecting it. You have no business looking at it or even, even experience it. You have no business in it. And yet God chose to give it to us. I think you're right. But I was going to say, I think what happens then, because of what you said, we don't deserve it. We don't grasp it when we should and move forward with that knowledge of salvation. And I think that's why it's so easy for Satan to undermine us. Exactly. It's so easy for him to trip us up. It's so easy for our legs to get crossed up and fall flat on our face because we're not we're not focused on it. We're focused on what can I do? How can I get myself out of the situation when maybe that's not what you need to be doing? Maybe you need to say, God, what am, what do I need to do here? Where are you going to take me? I know that you're there. I know that I have tr I can trust you. I know that I have a hope in you, and I need to I need to nurture and foster that hope. That's what he's going to talk about. Some look at look at verse thirteen, chapter one, verse thirteen. Look at what it says. He said, therefore, because of what I just said, therefore, with your mind, with your minds that are alert and fully sober. Now, some of you may, you know, what, what does somebody else's text say in verse 13? Because the new NIV says it a little different. What does the old NIV say? Anybody? Therefore, gird up your loins. That's, that's an older text yet, gird up your loins. What's a, what, what, anybody else have something else? Yeah. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is There you go. You know, what did he, what did he say there? What did he say? What did the, mine says alert. What did he say? Be self-controlled. No, but right before that. Prepare your minds Prepare for Prepare your minds for action. Okay. There's two things here. Mine says alert. Mine says not distracted. That's what alert means. The opposite of being distracted is alert. I am focused. I'm focused on what's going on. If you go, if you drive a car down the street and you're distracted by something going on, what's a possibility could happen? You could you could bump into something, right? Isn't that a possibility? Has that ever happened to you? Of course not. Of course not. No, I'm never distracted when I drive. Never on my cell phone. Never taking calls. None of that, right? No, that's not. Yeah. So. So we have to prepare our minds for action. Why? Because of the salvation that we have and how important it is, I need to do, what do I need to do? I need to be prepared. How do you prepare yourself and what is it that distracts you from doing that? Tell me something that distracts you from, from being prepared, being alert, not being distracted, but being to preparing yourself for action. You know, Jim, y'all guys went fishing the other day, right? Y'all went out to the, to the island, went fishing. How much time did you spend in preparation to go, to go there? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. Some things you had to get ready. Get the yeah. boat ready, get food, food ready, clothes. Get, get clothes ready, all those things. What happens if you say, Yeah, I think I'm going to the lake. I think I'm going I think I'm going out and get in the truck and go. <laughs> Don't get hungry. It ain't gonna work. Don't get hungry. <laughs> Don't get have enough food. Now I have no clothes. You see? Yep. So this is more important than that. Be prepared. What do you do to prepare yourself for action? Do you think there's there's actions going to need to be taken in your life? Yeah, that, how, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back. How many of you find yourself, have found yourself, or pretty sure you're going to find yourself in a crisis situation in the, in the days preceding today or the coming days? How many of you think there's going to be some kind of a crisis in your life? Or could the possibility of a crisis? How many of you? 
So, so all that's going to happen, it crashed. So, should we be in preparation now for it? And what's the, what's that preparation going to look like? What's the what? How is it? What am I going to do to be prepared? What do I need to do? You have to be on guard. And have I to be on guard. That's what we let that day and okay. get too comfortable. And okay. Okay. Not prepared. How many of you uh, have things that you have to do say tomorrow that you need to write a note to remember? <laughs> I wrote one last night. Woke up in the middle of the night. Oh, God, I forgot that. I wrote a note put it right next to bed. Don't forget to do that. So, and then when I got up, I took it and I put it on the bar in the kitchen. So I'm sure when I walked by, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it. I didn't forget. I probably would have forgot. No, I threw it away because I, I knew I was going to be gone. I didn't want Georgia to see it and say, uh-oh, i got to do this. Because he left it for me. No, that, it was my note. So prepare myself. Get ready. What's coming? I don't know what's coming, but I know what I have. I have a relationship with the Master. He has called me a son because, let's look, let's look at what else he says here. He said, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, okay, Fully in control, self-control. You said self-control. I like that better. Fully self-controlled. I am in control of what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a prayer time. I'm going to have a study time. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to not going to let Satan intervene. I'm not letting. I'm not going to let him get in the way. I'm not going to let him distract me. I'm going to do this, this, and this. How many of you have a list of things that you know you need to do? You better do. And when you don't do them, you start to fall down. You know. I would, I would ask you how many of you think you have a really awesome prayer life. Probably not many of us, right? I really have a really awesome study time. Probably not most of us. I, I read like this. I read this mile all the time. Probably not many of us. You think that's something that we could put on our, on our to-do list. There are things that to, to be self-controlled and to be alert, be prepared, preparing myself. Okay, and then look at what he said. So, he said, and set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ revealed at his coming. You understand what grace is. Grace is when God gives me what I don't deserve. I do not deserve salvation. I do not deserve this salvation that they looked for, longed for, and, and had at their fingertips. They, they didn't deserve it, neither do I. Neither do you. That's what grace is. Grace, God gives it to us anyway. That's what grace is. Alright? Now... When he said, I have a, I'm going to set my hope fully on the grace. We talked about this when we looked at verse 3 of this chapter. It talked about we have a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. All right, I have a hope now that's not dead, it's alive. We talked about this. What we set our hope on. I'm going to set my hope on God. I'm going to set my hope on the grace that God provides to me. I'm not going to set my hope on my own abilities. I'm going to set my hope on God. Now, might that take time? When God... When God starts play, playing this chessboard, you know, sometimes it takes him a while to move. Okay? Sometimes you be praying for this for a while, and then and then way down the road you say, oh, there's where that happened, where God finally showed up. And what do we do? We get impatient. We get, we get lackadaisical, and we say, well, God's not going to show up anyway. Maybe he already showed up and I missed it. And so, I'm just, and, and so we go and move on to the next crisis. We move on to the next problem in our life. And he said here, he says, set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be revealed when Jesus Christ comes back. Set your hope on that. I can hope in Christ. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm glad you brought up chess. Okay. Because there's two ways of thinking that we go about on our daily lives. There's 
There's thinking ahead. Okay. And then there's reactionary. Okay. And uh, I introduced my daughter Eleanor to chess a couple weekends ago, and she played entirely reactionary. Mm -hmm. So of course I beat her. Of course. Right. Because I was looking at what she was gonna do, probably, and I was planning my moves out ahead. Okay. And if we're gonna have a, a this this mind that's alert and fully sober, we have to be preparing ahead. Mm -hmm. And not just reactionary to, to how our, our lives work. And then when it doesn't work, because many times the crisis will get the better of you, okay? What do I know about God? Because the hope I have in Him, I don't have the hope in myself. That has to go away because I already, I've already already let myself down too many times. All right? So I'm going to hope in Him. I'm going to put my hope in the grace that's coming. I know I can trust that, but I don't know how the moves are going to be made. Because I'm not smart enough. Eleanor's not smart enough to play you in chess. She may get there. She may get there. I'm not smart enough to play you in chess. Because I don't know how to play that game. I tried that game, wasn't any good at it, said that's good, I'm good. I don't need to play this game anymore. That's, that's fine. I knew my limitations. I'm not any good. I'm not going to do this. So what I know is I don't know how to play the game that God's playing. I don't know how to play that game. Because I'm not God. I may be a son. But I'm not pretty. It's like, Eleanor, you know, there's things that you do as a parent that you two do as a parents. She doesn't have a clue what y'all are doing. She thinks she does. Wait till she gets to be a teenager. She'll really think she, she, she thinks she's smarter than all of y'all. Both y'all put together. She'll think. But, you know, the point is that she don't have a clue. Well, I don't have a clue what God's doing either. So I have to have set my hope on him and not try to second guess him, not try to over, overrun him, undermine him. Just let him work. Do you believe he's going to work in your life? Do you really believe you will? Do you believe you know how that's going to happen? No. I had a chance to be with a with an end of, with a, with some people the other day. I'm going to tell you who they are, but uh, on Friday night, and and uh, the one individual came and, and was talking about how I've been praying for this and praying for this, and I said, how do you know that God hadn't already answered your prayer in this situation right here? And she went, oh, I never thought about that. And, and the, the two individuals that were involved, both of them needed something in their lives. And it's amazing to watch from the outside because, you know what I'm watching? I'm watching God moving his chest pieces around. And I'm watching how this un, is unfolding before my eyes. I can't wait to see what comes next. You know, I, I like to watch somebody that, that knows what they're doing because I don't know what I'm doing. But if I, if I knew what the game was about and I could watch them, it would intrigue me. You know, I know what football's about, okay? I, I didn't play it, but I know that I'm watching it on TV, and I, I'm thinking, I'm seeing how this is unfolding and what's happening, and maybe even seeing what maybe is going to come next. And it's intriguing to me, okay? I don't want to go spend $70, $80 to go see it in person, but, you know, I can watch it for free on TV. I don't need to do that. But, you know, I'm watching God work in some of our lives, and I'm going, this is amazing. It's amazing. Why don't we set our hope on this? Why don't we trust him that he's going to do it next time and the next time and the next time? Why do we always think we've got to get in the way? Why we always got to get in the middle of it? I don't. He don't need my help. You understand that? He doesn't need your help. He's more than capable. Eleanor doesn't need your help, parent. Right? She doesn't need your help, parent. She doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't need her help, do you? You don't need her help. Y'all don't need her help. She doesn't know what she's doing. Y'all have any idea? She don't have any idea what y'all are doing. No, so, get on to but you, but you, you understand? You don't, you don't, I don't know what God's doing, and He doesn't need my help to inform Him. Okay, 
He wants me to talk to him like a child to a parent. And I'm going to set my hope on him, and I'm going to say, God, I know you're involved. I just don't know what it's going to be. Give me the strength and the vision to see it when it happens. Help me not to miss it. Okay? Now look at what he says. He said, we're going to, we're going to be alert. We're going to be in control. We're going to be striving to put our, you know, the next foot in front of the other. And he said, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You know, I mean, we could if we started if we started listing the things that we did when we lived in ignorance, we'd be here for a spell, wouldn't you think? We'd be here for a while. If I just listed mine, I'm going to be here for a while. I did a lot of dumb stuff when I was ignorant, didn't know what I was doing. I try to limit those now because I know better, and so I'm limiting them. And as we speak every day, I'm, I'm striving to get better at it. And God's going to start to move the chess pieces around to help you. When you pray, you say, God, can you help me do this? And he's going to move some chess pieces around. And it may not be anything that you even dreamed about. You even dreamed at all. You pray for patience and say, God, I'm not really good at this. I make some really bad mistakes. And he burns a building down around you. And you don't have any choice but to be laid up for three weeks. And now you're going, okay, I got the message. I'm not praying for that no more. I got it. I got it. Yeah. And so there's, there's, there is, uh, you know, as a child... As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Okay? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And it saddens me to see myself and to see some of you doing exactly the same things we did before. React the same way, talk the same way, respond the same ways, whatever it was. It saddens me when it happens in my life, and it saddens me when I see it happen in yours. I see it happen in yours. I can recognize it from my own life, and how we how we go, revert, revert back and go back. I'm striving not to conform to that mindset because that mindset was going to get me nowhere. It wasn't going to get me help. It wasn't going to get me saved. I have a salvation now that I have a relationship with God, and He has made it possible for me to 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 walk away from that. Now, I need your help. I need your help. But what I need more than anything is to remember what's coming next. Look at what he says next. He said, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What does it mean to you to be holy? Now he's told us, prepare yourself. Be sober-minded. Okay? Don't conform to where you were before. Stay where you are. Focus on what God's going to give you. And here he says, you be holy. What does it mean to be holy, do you think? Set apart. To be set apart. Okay? Anybody else? To be set apart. What else? Let's expand this definition. What do you think else it means to be holy? He said, be holy as I am holy. Pick up your cross and follow him. Pick up your cross, follow him. Okay? Anybody else? What do you think? Yes, ma'am. High standards. Have high standards in my life. Have higher standards than I had before. Anybody else? What do you think? What does it mean to be holy? I mean, if you don't know what it means, how can you do it? You know, you'd say, I'm set apart. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, I understand what it means. I know what it means. You know, have high standards. I know what that means, too. Don't always attain it, but that's what I, I know that's what it means. Yes, sir. Yes, yes ma'am. Uh, it means to try to be like Jesus. <coughs> to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Okay. Like he was. Okay. Try to be like Jesus. We've been doing it. Yes, sir. Put on the joke. You what? Put on the joke. Okay, put on his joke. Okay. Anybody else? What does it mean to be holy? Yes, ma'am. I think the first step for me is 
acknowledging that I can't be helpful without okay. you. Okay. There is no way I can ever be good enough, okay. holy enough, righteous enough without you. I can't, if you guys didn't hear online, she said, I can't do this by myself. I have to recognize that first and foremost. That I can't do this by myself. But here he says, you be holy. So from what I'm, what I am supposed to do, I need to be about doing that. I need to be implementing that in my life. Okay, and I want to know what you think that means. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you when you look in the mirror and you're all by yourself? He told me to be holy. Now what? Now what? What does that mean? What does it mean for you to be holy? If this salvation is that important, God said it was so important. I'm going to kill my son for it. Okay, that's how important you were. That's important. How I important I was. That's what grace and mercy is about. So if it was that important, and he said now need to be to be alert, be self controlled, be prepared, focus on the holy, but be holy, as I am holy. Be holy, and you're sitting by yourself. What does that mean? What's it going to mean? Yes, sir. If we're watching something that we shouldn't be watching, if we're supposed to doing something that we shouldn't be doing, if we I want you, I want you to connect with them. Don't say we. Say I. If I am watching something I shouldn't be watching, I need to stop. You won't know. You won't know if I'm doing it or not, will you? But who will know? If I'm choosing to go to see someplace, watch a movie, whatever I'm doing, if I should not be there, I am not being holy. Okay. In God's okay. eyes, and that's not where I need to be. So I need to. I need to have a, some kind of a plan. Would you say that's true? I need a plan. You, I don't want you following my plan. Okay? Have your own plan. What's your plan to be holy? I don't know your situation. You don't know mine. You don't, you're not walking in my shoes. I'm not walking in yours. I know what God calls for us to do. I know what he said here. You are not going to survive the chaos and the, and the crippling effects of, of the crisis in your life if you don't apply this stuff in your life. That's why it's survival, man. You've got to, you've got to apply this stuff to your life. Or you'll be a you'll be a, just a, a a shell of a Christian coming to church on Sunday and not having a clue what the words mean, what the singing means, none of it. You'll just be there existing. And we got too many people doing that now. We don't need any more people doing that. We need some people that are coming into service and say, I don't care what she's wearing, I don't care how she looks, I don't care how he smells, I don't care. All I care about is I'm going to focus this morning on my God. And if every one of us does that. How much better is it going to be? How much better worship service is going to be? For each one of us. You see? Now, somebody have their hand up? Oh, yes, ma'am. Well, you said what I was going to say. You can't ever take your eyes off of God. No. Off of Jesus off no. that path. Because no. when we do, that's when we stumble. And yeah. that's when we fall. Yeah. And the world has a pool. There you is know, no doubt about it. And, you know, guys, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm beating on this because it's so important because when you come through the crisis, okay, you won't be damaged. The damage won't won't be severe and significant, you know. When you when you set yourself up and you have you have a plan of something, I'm going to be strong here. And then when the crisis comes, you're strong through it, and you're strong afterwards. I've seen so many people that the 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 crisis came and it destroyed them. It just made them a shell of themselves afterwards because it wasn't any planned before. It wasn't any planned during it. When he planned afterwards, didn't have good people in their life. Didn't have they reverted back to where they were before? I don't want to see that happen to us. Yes, ma'am. Recently, heard a phrase in the Christian song, "Sanctified complacency," mm -hmm. and it just slapped me right in the eyes. 
Yeah. Over yeah. And over. Sanctified complacency. I like Sanctified that. Sanctified complacency. Yeah. Okay. This is the opposite of that. Yeah. That, this absolute, that's the opposite. Then let's what he said in verse 17. Since you call on Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. All right. Now let, let me read it again. Since you call on a Father, I call on a Father. Every time I pray, I say, Father, please. I call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. That means everything that you do and everything that I do, he's going to be impartial. He's not going to judge me based on partiality. Not going to judge me based on what what but this criteria, that criteria is completely impartial. See, we don't understand this, do we? Because that's not how we that's not how we gauge people. Yes, I don't know. I I did this yesterday. I was we were picking up sticks. And Eleanor was helping me. Okay. And Clark was out there too. And she said, "Well, he's not being much of a help." I said, "No, he's doing. He's he's being perfect help for what he can do. Mm -hmm. And he's picking up not on a stick." <laughs> God's gonna base gonna judge us based off of what we're capable. Of. You know. So so when I pick up a stick and not on a stick. Maybe that's all you can do. That sounds like an awesome title for a sermon. I just picked up a knot on a stick. It's all I could do. I couldn't do anymore. That's all I could do. Sometimes we get to that point. Huh? That's the only talent we get. Sometimes we get that low. That is all I can do. Yeah, you're right. Go hear what she said. Sometimes we get that crisis situation and we're in that place. All I can do is not. I don't yeah. have any other. I don't have any other ability to do anything. And the only prayer I can say is God help me. Help the next stick to be better. <laughs> 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 salt and pepper. Yeah, salt and pepper will be nice. Literally, <laughs> he said, "This father judges without partiality. He's impartial, and he and he said for us to live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. I don't belong here." Okay, I belong to the Father, the Creator of the universe. I don't belong here. I don't need to live like I belong here. I need to live like I don't belong here. And I need to have a fear that's a, a reverent. It says in the Book of Hebrews, you know, God is a, is a consuming fire. We should be in awe of Him. It's an awe of what He's capable of. Look around you guys. If nothing else, make part of your plan, part of your little notepad. I'm going to look at creation for the first time maybe in, the, in, in a long time. I'm just going to look and see what God's done. I'm just going to watch it unfold for about 30 minutes. I mean, some of us live out in the country. It's easy. You just go out sit on the back porch, and you can watch it unfold in front of you. I mean, it's amazing. Go out in the country. Go to the park. Go somewhere and just watch God work. Maybe that will get your attention. Maybe for the first time in a long time it will get your attention. You know, and he said, he said here, he said that, you know, that I want to have a reverent fear. I want to understand that God is bigger than me, you know, and and I'm I have a fear. I have a fear of displeasing Him. I have a fear. Of, this is what we should. I have a fear of displeasing Him. I have a fear of, of walking the wrong direction and going the wrong way and getting lost and being away from Him. I don't want to be away from Him. You know, Isaiah in Isaiah six is confronted with God. And he said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, oh my God, I'm ruined. I'm a dead man because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in a, in a with amount of people of unclean lips. He came face to face with God and he said, I'm done. I'm dead. I don't think we have a concept of how great, how grand, how grand God is. And when we come face to face with him, you know what he said? Every knee will bow. 
Every knee will bow. Every, everybody's going to hit the dirt. Everybody's going to be face down, breathing dirt in front of God. Every single one of us. And yet we take it here and we think, oh, well, it's no big deal. You know, it is a big deal. Angels long to understand what you have. Okay? It's not only impartially, it's independently. We don't get sand up there for somebody else. No. No. By yourself. You mean I can't, I can't say, Larry, come up here. Exactly. I need your help. Smooth this over for me. Yeah, smooth this over. You know, I'm better than Larry. Yeah. <laughs> really back up. Only a chance. Only a chance. Non sticks, I'm way better than Larry. Yes, non stick with the best of them. Yep. And then he said, Look at verse, and for, sin, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Okay? I have, I, I was given a life, I was born into a family and given a life that I did not choose. You were born into a life you did not choose. Okay? wasn't your choice. You were born to family, and they gave you certain things in your life. All right? And he said, he said here, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. The, the, the way of life that I was given was empty and fruitless. Okay? Now, I'm not saying anything against them. I'm saying that was, I was born into a family, into a, into a, in a family of people who were flawed, and damaged, just like you were, weren't you? They're flawed and damaged. They are by nature children of wrath. So when they when they birthed you and you were born, guess what you became? A child of wrath, because that's what you got from them. They couldn't redeem you. They couldn't save you. They couldn't fix you. They couldn't do anything. They tried, man. You know, they tried to do good stuff. They tried to give you things, and they tried to take you to school. All that stuff, and, and they took you out in the yard, let you chew on sticks. You know, they did all that stuff. Tried, but the one thing they couldn't do, they couldn't save you. They couldn't. They couldn't give you anything that was going to save you, ever. And God says here, he said, I get to be a part of a family that, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It says he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to, to revealed in these last times for your sake. Who's he talking to? Me. You. I wasn't redeemed by the, the goodness of my mom and my dad. I wasn't redeemed by how much money they did or didn't have. I wasn't redeemed by that stuff. That's what not what could could buy me back. Couldn't buy me back from a from a chaotic world, from a sin sin induced world. It couldn't it couldn't buy me back for the punishment that comes because of it. Do you believe that punishment comes because of a sin, because of sin in our lives? Do you think that we're going to be that, that there is a punishment coming because God says so? He says, "For the wage of sin is death." He said, "All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Yeah, Kim. Is it interesting that it refers to gold, and silver, mm -hmm. perishable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like normally we think of like food, you know, mm -hmm. things that rot, mm -hmm. people rot too, mm -hmm. but it's referring to gold and silver as Non-perishable things. Yes. Yeah. Perishable. I just heard somebody say that compared today, to the infinite. You know how many people that I, that I, you talk to that said if you want to get by through the coming crisis, you know what you have to do. You have to put your you put your money in in a what? In precious metals, right? What they say. And this says those things are going to burn up too. Paper bills are going to burn up. Coins are going to burn up. So is this. That's what he says. 
Now, I don't know how hot it has to get to burn up gold and silver. I don't, I don't have a clue. But I know that, that the thing that we, ha we think is the most precious, God said, couldn't save you. You couldn't buy this. Okay? He said what was precious was the blood of the Son. The blood of the one chosen before the creation of the world. That means before he ever spoke one syllable in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Right? He said he spoke and it existed. Before he did that, <coughs> Jesus was already chosen. Already chosen before the foundation of the world. I think in the book of Hebrews it says, it says that he completed all of his work before the foundation of the world. It was already done. In God's mind, this is done. So when he's writing Isaiah 53, when he's writing Psalm 22, when he's writing Isaiah chapter 6, when he's writing all these things, what's he already know? He already knows what's coming. He already knows he's already chosen it to happen. And I get to be a part of it. Guys, go look in the mirror. You ain't all that. You ain't, I'm, neither am I. We ain't all that. But he loved us through the Son and through the precious blood of the Son. Should that alter the way you look at communion this morning? If you hear me say this a lot, it's because it's important to me. Because I think sometimes we take it so much for granted that we forget all these things it said, and we look at it and say, and you know, we're busy looking over here. I've seen people on their phone while communion is going on. Are you kidding me? You know, on your phone? What are you looking up? You're trying to make a phone call to Jesus? You know, it seems like we ought to have more respect and more honor and more reverence for that time, at least, because this is what it did. Look at what he says again. He said, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb. You remember when John the Baptist in John chapter 1, we studied this a long time ago, John chapter 1, John sees Jesus coming and he's, what does he say? Behold, the lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist. And then what does John do later? He calls from prison and he said, he said, "Can you? are you the one? What? Even John the Baptist had questions. Don't have a problem if you have questions. Just don't revert back to where we came from before. I'm going to stay focused on God even though I don't understand and sometimes I, kept, I question some. He's okay. He's big enough to deal with it. Okay? He's big enough to deal with it. And then he said, he said here, he said, He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God. Through him. Don't, don't base your belief in in God on me or, or any of the rest of us in here. Don't base your belief on any of us. Don't believe, base your belief on yourself. Base your belief in God on God and what He's capable of doing in your life. What did He do? He gave me a salvation that even angels long to understand. He gave me a salvation the prophets longed to understand what they were writing about and didn't. They trusted Him. They trusted him. They trusted in God. Isaiah, Elijah, you know, these guys trusted in God. They trusted in him that he knew what he was doing. When I, when you read Ezekiel chapter 37, it's called the Valley of Dry Bones. And that text, it, he, God asked Ezekiel, do you, man, he said, can these bones live? He said, man, I don't know. He said, can they live? He said, and he said, speak to the bones. And he speaks to the bones and what happens? They rise up and they, flesh comes back on them, and they become a great army. And what's he trying to tell Ezekiel? He's, Israel's going to live again. Israel's going to be okay. But what is he telling, he's, he's telling us? God's bigger than you are. God can make dead bones. And they weren't just dead. They were bleached bones. 
You ever been in a pasture before and seen bones of a cow? Bleach? They've been there a while. Been there a while. And he made them live. He made it become a human being again. I'm telling you something, guys. What we have, you know, that's why when you get in situations that you don't understand, be joyful. He says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because God is bringing something in your life to grow you and test you and make people, you know, this stuff here. Hey, it's joyful times because it's a different experience in our lives and a way where we can we can trust God again and just say, God, I don't know what's going on, but man, I can't wait to see what comes next. And if that sounds odd, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just trying to put into practice what this says. I told that to a doctor in Houston. And he looked at me like I had three eyes. I said, I can't wait to see how this is going to unfold. This is going to be a lot of fun. And he went, excuse me? It is. You know, it, when, you, when, we have, when, we, when we focused on this, it takes the focus off all the garbage. That's the survival manual. It takes the focus off all the rest of the stuff, all the stuff that I can't do well. And think, I can only chew on sticks. That's all I'm capable of doing. You know, Dan, they, the world views God as if he's serving more of you, it's worldly. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what the world teaches us. Yeah. Is that our reward is going to be, oh, if you're really good, God's going to make you wealthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the total opposite of what that, the Bible teaches. There's whole doctrines out there, Charlie. Health and wellness. Yes. God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. You know, he doesn't. He never promised that. They take text out of books. They take John chapter 10 and says, says God, Jesus came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. It doesn't say that. Well, the abundant life is not wealth. No. It's spiritual. But we make it, people made it into that. Exactly. What I'm telling you is focus on the resurrection of Christ. Focus on the death of Christ. Focus on the blood that he shed. Focus on the salvation you don't deserve. And you focus on that and crisis comes and it's not near as big a deal as it was before. All right. We're going to pick it up here because I want to finish this next week. And I'll review this, and then we'll pick it up finish it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>